Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. Welcome to Exploring Missions. It's good to have you on this weekend, and we pray that you're on mission for God, not just on the weekend, but every day of the week, along with my co-host, Nathan Harper. Nathan, it's good to have you with us again. It's great to be back. And uh, we do this. uh, This is pre-recorded, and usually we have binge recordings, you know? Uh, That used to not be a word, but now you hear it all the time, binge. And so we have binge recordings. Nathan comes in for a day or two, and we do recording after recording. And uh, we just enjoy that to let you know what God is doing around the world And uh, in doing that, we're praising God for what he's doing in your life. And we pray that God would touch your life and let you know he can use you. Nathan, I'm one of those people that I I say it and I do believe it and mean it. If he can use me, I think he can use anybody. Yeah, I mean, you read through the Old Testament, you read even the New Testament, God has used some incredibly what we would say are disqualified people. You know, worldly standards, by our own standards, we would say they've disqualified themselves from being used in any significant way by God. And God specializes in taking those disqualified, the insignificant people, and giving them a significant ministry. He qualifies us all. I tell them, you know, that scripture says he takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. I said, I'm one of them. And uh, I'm qualified that way, brother. I, I am. We have a guest today, and we're excited about this guest, and it's going to be a two-day interview, and so this weekend you're listening, you'll want to tune in next weekend and listen and get part two of that. We already know that it's going to take more than one interview to do everything we want to do, and our guest is T.J. Sipes. T.J., welcome. It's good to be with you all today. Thank you. And uh, he is a great guy. I've met him, and I've known about you longer than I've known you. Now, that's kind of like the people do with the Lord Jesus. They know about him, but you pray, man, you need to know him. Knowing about him is not sufficient. If you're you're out there listening and you know about Jesus, that doesn't mean you go to heaven. You've got to know him in a personal way where your heart is. There's a transaction that he comes into your life and he comes in to uh, you come into him. And we pray that you know Christ that way. So I've I've known you for a little while now and I've enjoyed it, but I've enjoyed the work more than even knowing about you. Tell us about the work you work with. You're a missionary, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And a missionary with who and for who? Uh, With the Wana Clubs International. So. Years ago, I met uh, you probably, oh, I would say the year 2000 or somewhere around there when you were still with West Jackson Baptist Church there. Here in Tupelo, Mississippi. Yes, sir. That was one of the first churches in the, in the early years uh, for my uh, work uh, as, as the one missionary in the state. Yeah. As a missionary, we, we help churches get started uh, with the Iwana ministry. I started actually in 1991 working at Iwana 
So I was as lost, as my pastor would say, uh, uh, as a ball in tall weeds. And so we went to this church to get some help, and they did help us with some food. And then uh, they delivered the food from the Spirit of the Lord uh, to our home. So you got fed two ways? Yes, sir. <laughs> okay. I did. That's I did. neat. Yeah. We went back to vacation Bible school after that was over with with my children. He came to our home, and, and, and on July the 30th, 1991, he asked me two important questions. If I were to die that day, would I go to heaven or hell? And I truly didn't know. I actually said, how am I supposed to know that if I'm dead? And he kind of looked at me funny, and, and, you know, we got to be careful how we ask people questions because lost people don't know. And so the second question he asked me was, if you were to get to heaven and God were to ask you, why should I let you in, what would your answer be? And it was all based on works. It was all based on the things that we had done. And uh, my good list ran out pretty quick, brother. <laughs> that naughty list came in there pretty Everybody fast. Everybody better believe, you better believe it's not a counterbalance deal. I'm telling you, we would all, what does it say we've? come short, we would really come short, wouldn't we? Absolutely. And there was no doubt in my mind about that. I had attended a church for a few years, didn't grow up in a Christian home at all. In fact, I wouldn't say it was the farthest thing from a Christian home, but it was just, there were things that were done. Uh, my, my older siblings would have seances with my mom there and that kind of stuff. It was just an influence of Ouija boards and that kind of stuff. So I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I did attend church a couple of times. And I will tell you, uh, the thing that impacted me in my mind, I don't know the gentleman's name. I couldn't tell you. I know the church in Ashby, Ohio. But uh, they had two men that would ride the bu- drive the bus down there. And I can remember a time when I would see the taillights of the bus that I hadn't made it to the bus to get out there in time. But then the other gentleman, I lived on a dead-end road, so you got to understand that they didn't want to drive down the dead-end road and back up. But this other gentleman would drive all the way down to the end of the road and honk the horn in front of the house, and I would get out and get on the bus and go out there. And, and that was really awesome for me. So I, I trained my leaders, please make sure that you go to the end of the road. Don't wait for them to come to you. You go to where they are. Amen. That's powerful, Nathan. That's a that's a Sunday sermon illustration. It is. The first church where I was was Mission, a mission, and we were on a dead-end street. And the mission on the dead-end street, we were surrounded by people who were down and out. That's the only word. And God placed Jan and me right there in the middle of them to love on them. And, and I'm just telling you, loving them and caring speaks louder than anything I know, and it still speaks loud to me today. So that was then, tell me, so continue your story. The progression this is interesting. from there, yeah. I, I, I grew up in Asheville, Ohio, to get out of there, quite frankly, joined the Navy, attended church to get out of doing things on Sunday while I was in the military, but never really understanding what I was seeking. So I got out of the Navy, and I joined the uh, FedEx for a year in Memphis, and then the post office said, I'll pay you $10 an hour if you work for us. So I worked for them for 13 years. In that time frame, had six sur- or three surgeries over a six-year period, and God used those surgeries in my life to really bring me to where I am now. In 1991 uh, is when I got saved. 1993 is when I had my last back surgery, and he just... Um, just moved everything in a completely different perspective for me. And so I started working as a PAL leader, third and fourth grade boy leader. 
That's and in the Awana program. That's in the Awana ministry. That's right. At Calvary Baptist in Horn Lake, they they trusted me to be Horn Lake, one of Mississippi. The, that's right. That's okay. right. Yeah. And so they trusted me to uh, take, I guess, a leadership role underneath somebody that had been working in Awana for a while. And so what I love about our ministry, what it did for me is the uh, the children that we're supposed to be feeding the word to are the ones that come up to you and feed you the word back. And so you're going to learn more on accident than you ever tried on purpose. So I, I worked as a pal leader for a couple of years, and then I became a game director. And Having fun, huh? <laughs> now, I had a lot of fun uh, with it, but I wasn't doing what God had called me to do. I was taking that position because it was open. Nathan, I thought about this uh, and TJ, and the little children shall lead them. Sounds like those children was leading TJ, doesn't it, Nathan? It does. God will use... Just he'll use anything to reach people, and many times it's not unusual. Many times he uses children, whether it's in a family setting or even, you know, in your case, just in in your life, your interaction with them through Awanas. So you were hearing those verses, and then you became a game director. Game director for a year. Kids had fun. I had a smile on my face, but I knew I wasn't doing what God wanted me to do. And I was ready to leave Awana. I had I had served for four years, and I was just tired. That's not unusual. If you're out there and you've been in the Wanda, Wanda ministry, you know that. Sometimes you may not take a sabbatical and come back. But your case, God had a different direction. Well, you know, that's true in just about any ministry. When you get to a point where you just have to take some time away, I stepped back and asked the Lord, what do you want me to do? I, I know that you've called me to continue to serve, but I'm tired. And, uh, and one night, Brother Bird, I got three phone calls. And this is all pre-cell phone day. So this is phone hanging on the, on the wall day. And, uh, and one church wanted me to come over and talk to them about Awana because they heard that I was excited at our church. And they wanted me to inspire their people. The second phone call was another church who didn't have Awana but heard that I was excited about Awana at our church, and they wanted me to come over and talk to them about it. So this is after you had said, okay, I need to— I was done. I literally—this was like April of that year, and I was like, God, I'm not going back in the fall of that year. And when I got home that night, there was a message on our machine. It was our director of missions and ministries at our church— that had uh, he and the staff and the pastor and everybody had prayed and and they wanted my my wife and I to become the Awana commanders, the person that leads the Awana ministry in the fall. And I was like, God, are you even listening to me? I, and and he truly was listening to me, but I wasn't listening to him. But I did then, and so we prayed about it for about three weeks and came back to them and said, if we take this, there's got to be some changes. God gave us a vision for some things that needed to change, and and. So we ran uh, with that one and came in and retrained everybody, got them all on board with us. And from there, the ministry grew, oh, I would say probably up to about 100, 120 kids at different times. We were picking up kids all through the neighborhood. I had an old station wagon called the Dragon Wagon. They ever, Everyone wondered how it <laughs> drug in every week, and, <laughs> and it smoked like a dragon. So the kids all called it the Dragon Wagons. But we never came to Awana with an empty seat. Never came to Awana with an empty seat. We were always going through the neighborhood finding other children to pick up. So I just want to ask just, and this is a little bit of a change of direction, we can get back on track, but I've noticed, you both have noticed also that children 
are extremely excited about Awana programs in, in local churches, and they want to come. And they, like you said, they're just they're they're ready and eager and excited about about attending. And and so many churches that have programs that they can pick children up and transport them. There are always full seats and as many as as they can hold generally. And what is it about Awana that makes kids so excited about this? Well, for the children, they have eager minds and they're they're uninhibited by a lot. And so you want to have fun with the children, but that's not the primary focus. We want to get them there to train them up spiritually. We know that if you can change the heart of a child, that you can change a trajectory that they're on right now. And a lot of these children were coming from very um, broken homes and things of that nature. And that I know we had several divorces in my family. So these kids just want to get out of their environment, and we need to love them like Jesus. And they see that. They sense that. They feel that. And, yes, they have fun there. And, yes, they're going to ride on your walls of the church <laughs> with crayons. And, yes, they're going to. They're going to run. It's far to cover those up, man. You know, Come on. And, and so we have to get out of the mode of, you know, what are these kids doing here? And, and, and we got to quit looking at them like those that wanted to push them away from Jesus. He just wanted the children to come to him. And so for me, just having the fun with them, they really enjoy that. We have Awana Games. Some of the churches would participate in Awana Games competitions, Bible quiz competitions. There was one year that for I, I didn't want to give up my hair a competition, but I did let them put a pie in my face for a competition. And so if they quoted X number of sections or whatever, then they got to put a pie in my face. So it was those kind of activities that kept them wanting. Okay. You've become the Wana commander. Yes. So okay. We're, for... we're, we're going from a uh, just someone that heard verses yep. to the pals, yes, sir. to the game director, and now to the... Leading the ministry there. There in that church. In 1998, we went to an Awana ministry conference. Now, a ministry conference where you have veteran leaders that come in and teach you 30, 45-minute sessions on how to do Awana, how to do handbook time, small group time, large group time, things of that nature, game time. And it was at that meeting that uh, the missionary named Rick Stomps uh, out of Michigan came down and was keynote speaker. And it was as though Uncle Sam had his finger pointed at me and said, God is calling you to be in a one missionary, or could God be? We used to have a magazine called The Signal Magazine, and I would read that magazine and see all these stories about these missionaries, but not me. So on my way home that afternoon, I didn't say anything to my friend that was in the back seat, and say anything to my wife, but it was just flooding my heart. I, I, I could not stop thinking about it. And I mean, I'm delivered mail. I'm, I'm good. And, uh, but God said, no, I want you to step out on faith and trust me. And so my wife looked at me on the way home from Jackson, Tennessee, and said, do you think God's calling you to be a missionary, don't you? And I was like, no, 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 <laughs> no. Uh, not me, uh-uh. But it really was the truth, and, and she sensed that herself. And so we began to investigate it. I inquired about it through Awana, and they sent me an application. And then I let it settle, and I said, God, if you really want me to do this, I'll have another burning in my heart for this to happen, and, and it wouldn't go away. And so she ordered for me at Christmas time uh, a Moody Bible uh, study that was required at that time, a years long worth of Bible study from Moody Bible Institute. And so I began to do that. And, and every, Brother Bert, every when I delivered mail, it didn't matter if I was on break. It didn't matter if I was at lunch, bowling alley where I delivered mail, wherever I stopped. I was continually reading and studying and, and just learning and learning what God wanted me to do. 
And everything was on go. We went for our interview with Juana in June of 1999. And at the end of the interview process, I mean, there was like a horseshoe with all these people around us asking what you believe and why you believe it and what would you do with this situation. That situation. Are you prepared to live on faith and not have a paycheck coming in every week if that is the case? And then God said, not now. And when their answer was not now, I was like, Lord, I don't know what more you want me to do. I've just it's not through. now like no at that point in time. I, I've learned to accept not now doesn't mean not never because I've lived that. Well, we're, we're having people out there that uh, not now, they think it means no and not yeah, never. Absolutely. Please but understand. And that's, that's absolutely the truth because God has to prepare you. For the harvest. And what I didn't realize is, and I didn't realize this until October of 1999, Life Action Ministries came in and did a two-week revival. And let me tell you, that two weeks, I learned more about myself in two weeks' time because I was willing to listen to, to the Lord. I've got to stop here. Nathan, Life Action played a part in, in your yeah, life as well. Right. really did. Same sort of scenario. And uh, I was younger, but God was working in my life, just wasn't sure in what direction, and, and God used a two-week revival in our local church to uh, clarify those things and really really light a fire in my life to serve the Lord. So I would say, you know, if you have the chance to uh, seek out uh, Awana as a ministry of your church, do that, and also Life Action Ministries. <laughs> Amen. Both. They're, they're, God is using those two ministries. Go we ahead. Had, we had the silver team come in. I still remember the silver <laughs> team, and I remember him looking down, and again with his finger pointing at me, that God could not use me until I got right with my mom. And I didn't understand that at the time. I, I mean, I knew that there were some issues. Um, there was a lot of bitterness and anger that had built up in me that I think I had pushed deep down inside you know, we were probably middle income. My dad sailed the Great Lakes. My stepfather did sail the Great Lakes. And so um, didn't really want for anything necessarily. But there was never that encouragement from mom, it seemed at times. And so along life's ways, I got really angry and bitter about it. And I, and I, and I, we, I loved her. We were cordial with one another about things. But I knew that I needed to go home and ask the Lord. And in that revival service, there were couples that had not spoken to one another in two years because of disagreements. And they came to the other couple and asked them to forgive them because it was their fault and they knew it and God revealed it. Another lady who had had a situation that was just, God had to deal with her heart and came forward to the church and asked them to forgive her with her bitterness and anger. And so I went home called my mother and uh, and my sisters, if they hear this, they will know. I said, Mom, please don't put the bird on. Please don't let me talk to the dog because my mom would do that. And I was like, Mom, I got to <laughs> talk to you about something very serious. And I asked her to forgive me, um, and she began to ask for what. And I said, Mom, I, I don't really want to get into all of the, the what's and the why's. I said, but I, over the years, I've been very angry about some of the things that were done as a child growing up. And and even as an adult, and I said, so I just, God can't use me until I get forgiveness from you. So please forgive me for the things that I've thought and said and done. And, and she wanted to investigate further, and we did. We talked about it. And I believe in her heart and in her mind, she probably thought she was doing the very best that she could. My mom had a lot of health issues, and I didn't. I, as an adult now, 
I realize a lot of what happened probably had a lot to do with that. But but God f- allowed that forgiveness to come, and that was in October. And December, Awana called us back and said, uh, do you still believe God's calling you to be a missionary? And I said, there's no doubt in my mind about it. So so they prepared us for January the 20th of the year 2000. We went for our school, dropped the kids off in Texas and uh, at my, uh, my wife's uh, family's home. And so we went to school. We finished on February the 4th. And here we go. We're in the state of Mississippi. We come back home. We have 55 churches in Mississippi. We had 42 churches in western Tennessee. And um, I was on my way to, uh, to Selmer, Tennessee on the 23rd of February. And uh, my sister, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, the 23rd of February, my sister called me. And uh, she said, Mom's in the hospital. And my mom had already lost part of her leg to diabetes and whatnot. But she's in the hospital. So a friend of ours gave us airline tickets that he purchased with his uh, points and sent me home on the 24th. And my sisters and my mom's last living uncle came in. And on that Saturday morning, about 10 o'clock that morning, my mom passed away. And I really thought that, you know, when when you get told as a child that you're never going to mount the hill of beans. Now, Brother Bert, you're from Mississippi, right? Yes. I know what a hill of beans is. I'm from Ashtabula, <laughs> Ohio. I don't know what a hill of beans means, right? <laughs> and it wasn't until my wife planted a garden and she looked out the door and said, well, that's going to be a, a good hill of beans. And I was like, so that's what mom was saying, right? <laughs> you know, when you don't have that encouragement as a kid uh, growing up um, and you don't have the father figure in the home and you don't... It, Dad was gone nine months out of the year, my stepfather. And so, you know what it sounds like, TJ? God called you to encourage children, and Awana's the ministry by which He is doing that. Do you catch that, Nathan? Yeah. yeah. And, and a lot of it comes from our background, where mm-hmm. we are. Not all the ways, but God doesn't waste anything. Yeah. And many times, some of the places of our deepest hurt and where we're wounded. In our lives through the years, God calls us to minister out of that. With a comfort that you've been comforted with, comfort others. Well, TJ, okay, your mother has passed, and that is just, okay, they call you in December, and she passes. I became the missionary February the 4th, and on uh, February 26th, she passed. So I come back, and we have ministry. We've got churches that have need. They need to understand what we do for them as missionaries. And so in April, uh, I, I called a lot of the churches and planned a trip in April. And so I took off on a, a Sunday, and I was gone for five days. I went to 23 churches, 1,100 miles, all the way down Highway 61 down to Natchez and across down to Picayune, down to Gulfport, Biloxi, back up. And I remember calling uh, my wife and asking her, hey, you know, I've got this pasture that's about 30 more miles off of the highway, and I know I was going to be home at 430, but if I go down and talk to him and let him know we're here and 30 miles back, and I only talk for 30 minutes, it'd be 6 instead of 430. And when we came home, she said, "Um, I believe that God has called us to be one missionaries, but I don't know that God wants me to stay at home alone with five, four kids for five days like this again. It was hard. But we did. We, we, we watched God just grow this ministry for, for the next eight years from 55 churches in Mississippi to about 135, and then in western Tennessee from 42 to, to 90-some churches. 
And so um, we were we had Bible quizzes, Awana games, conferences every year. The numbers were growing. At one time, we had 625 leaders come to our conference. We had four Awana circles going at one time at Ridgeway Baptist Church for Awana games, and and ministry was just moving along. And then we got an invitation to go to Texas to to be missionaries out there. But after a lot of prayer, Awana headquarters staff said, no, this is not what we believe that, that God's plan is. And that was hard for my wife because her mom had had a stroke and she wanted to be near her, her to help. So we came home and we decided, I don't know why it happened, but we moved. Well, I do. Uh, it was God. We wound up moving to Ecri, Mississippi from South Haven. And um, we, about less than three years later in 2008, we were preparing for a Bible quiz. We had about 125 kids coming to uh, Collierville, Tennessee, First Baptist Church, Collierville. And uh, that night, uh, we prepared the church, and all the buttons were in the place, and the cards are in place, and everything is going along. And we went to the hotel, and about about 3.30 that morning, I woke up, and uh, my little boy Noah was there with us and his friend. I knew something was wrong when I got the light on. I called the hotel operator and asked them to send an ambulance, and uh, they, uh, they came, and I had sent my son out front and asked them to, 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 to watch him. And they came and, and took her to the hospital. And uh, at 5.02 that morning, she passed away from a massive heart attack. And uh, brother, I had no idea what God was doing or allowing. Strengthened my faith without a doubt. There's no doubt in my mind it strengthened my faith. I had two options at that point. Do I fall back or do I trust? And I had to trust that everything that God had told me in his word was true. How many years marriage? We were married for 20 and a half years. We, were, we had married in, in July of uh, 87, 20 and a half years. You know, ministry's hard, and there, there's a lot of things, a lot of toll that can take itself in families. And, I just uh, want to share that with you. you. Those of you that go to church or go somewhere where someone who is ministering in the Word, ministering in some way, they've come from a home, and sometimes difficulty in that home. And the best advice that I've ever received is you minister through the pain. You minister. You don't try to hide it. It's, you're not faking it. There's a, there's a fine line between faith and fake. Now, I don't mean that in a, in a negative way, but there is faith. You're doing it, trusting God. When you're faking it, you're trying to, trying to deny the hurt and fool everybody else, and you can't fool God. So through faith, you continue on. Yes, sir. With four children, my kids are 31, 28, will be 26, and will be 22 this year, a girl and three boys. Of course, they were much younger. I had high school and and middle school and one graduating and getting ready to go in the military. And so, you know, I knew that I had to be a stalwart for them, and I knew that I had to trust the Lord. And I think more than anything, the people that would send us the letters and the cards, I couldn't tell you how many hundreds and hundreds of cards that poured in. We had to go to another church instead of our church just to be able to have a space for her her funeral service there. Well, God brought you from the point of a home where where was God to a home where you say, God, you're here and I desperately need you. Well, we're going to continue this this story next weekend, and we're also going to talk about Awana just as God has used TJ has used an Awana around the world. So thank you for listening to Exploring Missions here on the American Family Radio Network.